One of them, a doctor of the law, asked him, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the greatest uh, commandment of the law? And the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know, dear friends, we, we see today uh, really a lot of uh, madness around us. Uh, and, you know, our role as priests is not as such, and obviously I have to make a context from what I'm saying, is not to dictate to you how to live your lives. Uh, uh, we give the principles, and you make the, the prudent application of those principles in your life with the grace of God, your grace your duty of state. Uh, you make your own prudential judgments. But what is the, the role of the priest is obviously to communicate the faith, to give the sacraments, but also, uh, as you've seen in the history of the church, to, to enlighten the faithful on how to, to analyse, to judge, to see the things around them, the things in the world, from the perspective of the faith, from the perspective of the cross, from the perspective of eternity. That is, that is certainly our role. And in, that, in the light of that, I want to give you some things to think about. Um, and what I'm going to say may be a bit uh, hard to swallow, but from some profound thought to think about in the, the crisis uh, that we see ourselves confronting today. Archbishop uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen once said, he asked a very, very, um, very good question. And of course, a question we often ask ourselves, uh, would like to think that, you know, if, as you see today in the gospel, this, this expert, not an idiot, not a, not, a, not a fool, a wise man, an expert in the law, he comes to our Lord and he asks him a very profound question. What's the most important uh, uh, law of God? What's the greatest of the commandments? But the gospel tells us also this expert, he didn't come asking our Lord because he wanted to know the answer. He came to sort of trick our Lord, to sort of find a, uh, something uh, to scrutinise our Lord with, to trap our Lord. The man wasn't uh, one of goodwill. But we, we might ask ourselves, you know, if I, was, if I was there at the time, would I have accepted our Lord or would I have rejected it? What would have been my response to our Lord? And Archbishop uh, Bishop Fulton Sheen gives a very good answer. He says, if today you accept, today you believe, then you would have believed in the time of our Lord. Nothing is different. The time, the ages, but the mentality, the thinking, the graces are still the same. So if you believe today, then you would have believed then. And we can apply this to, if you know, today we see ourselves in a bit of a crisis in society, what if I was living maybe a hundred years ago or at the early church? How would I have reacted? Well, how are we reacting today? How would I have analysed the events under Nazi Germany or communist Russia? Well, how are you analysing the events today? And this should give you some insight. Because today we also have the experts in the law. And they pose many things to us in the hope, like this man in the gospel, not that we, we are, they are there to look out for our interests, but that we also should be deceived, that we also should be trapped. But our Lord, our Lord gives us the solution. Our Lord gives us the answer. 
He says, put all things to the test. Our Lord gives them the focus, it must be God. And if we love God, we then apply that in practice to our neighbour. And then our Lord, now our Lord asks them a question. But notice the difference here. They ask a question to trap our Lord. Our Lord asks a question to help them recognise who it is who is in their midst. It is me. Who, who, did the, who is the son of David? Who is this Messiah? He can't be David's son because David called him Lord. The father doesn't call his son Lord. So he must be someone greater than David. Who is it in your... And the gospel says very clearly, from that day on, they didn't want to ask him any more questions. And why? Because they weren't interested in the truth. They were interested in pushing their agenda. That's what they were interested in. They weren't interested in, by, by asking questions, by interrogating, we come to a higher knowledge of things. That's called science. That's called the progress of thinking, process of thinking. You ask questions and slowly uh, you come to the knowledge of, uh, of things and therefore you grow in knowledge of truth. They weren't interested in the truth. What they were interested in is in their own, their own ideology. And our Lord, our Lord was a threat to what for them? To their authority. And the fact that people are precarious uh, for their authority, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It only becomes a bad thing when that authority becomes an end in itself. I am here to serve myself. The authority is about me. When, you, when it becomes like that, then it becomes a, a guise for evil. And that's what we are seeing today. Today, we are told to stay home. Today, we are given orders at the expense of the mental health, the financial uh, difficulties of the people, uh, because the government is not concerned, the MPs are not concerned about the people. They're concerned about themselves. And what is it they're concerned about? Because never in the human history of Australia have we ever seen politicians with such amount of authority which they're using today. And today they are passing laws which are extremely unjust on the foundation that they have absolute authority and cannot be questioned because of these emergency laws that are being processed today, that are being put forward today. And this is uh, the tyranny that we are witnessing. And what I am going to try to give you the insight with you, friends, is firstly, not necessarily so much what we should do, because what doesn't matter if you go about doing A, B, or C, and if you yourself are an enemy of our Lord, it doesn't profit you nothing. We must firstly see the things for what they are. There, they are, there is no, firstly, there is no pandemic in Australia, contrary to what they state. And you see that with your eyes when you go shopping. If there, are, if there was a pandemic, people wouldn't be uh, uh, cramming around in shops, going to the pubs, going to restaurants as though life were normal. We don't do that. Huh? It should be obvious to you. They're not out to control the pandemic, as we are seeing in the way they're going about it. They're out to control you. And that's what it's about. It's about authority and greed. And if you want to understand the whole thing, again... I leave it to you to, to do your own research, dear friends. Follow the money trail. Follow the money trail. Our Lord says in the Gospel, the love of money is the root of all evil. Look at who's profiting financial. In all this, who is being crushed the most? The middle class. 
because the middle class are a threat to those uh, above them. The poor, they're being looked after by the social security system, not a problem, so not bothered. The middle class, uh, class are being crushed and the wealthy are getting wealthier, just do the research. Today we see ourselves confronted with this and we, we wonder to ourselves what to do. Well, you know, dear friends, you come here. And you know, since the 1970s, late 1970s, but really all of his life, Archbishop Lefebvre was taught well, raised well by his parents, and he taught us to see through the revolution in the church. But do not think for a second, if we have been saying for the last 50 years that the hierarchy uh, from top to bottom, unfortunately as it is, is filled with dishonest, wicked and godless men. If that's true of the church, how much more is it true of the state? And I emphasise the word more, uh, the word more in the state. The popes, the popes prior to the post-conciliar era, for hundreds of years have been denouncing the wicked works of those revolutionary pioneers known as Freemasons. Those men who work for a secular, godless uh, humanistic society which uh, stands at the rejection of our Lord and all that he, the order that his church have stood for uh, since the foundation of the church. We, dear friends, me and you, and all of my, our superiors, I think today in the society even, we've, we've not lived through World War I, we've not lived through World War II. And therefore we've grown up in a time of comfort and, and uh, peace, no, no major war in our countries. And so for us to see how to react, it's not very easy, not very uh, clear. The Archbishop, he, he grew up during the time of World War II. His father opposed the, the, uh, uh, the Nazis in France. He was a, a loyalist, a resistance uh, man against the uh, Nazi invasion in France. And he died, died defending the rights of the French. And the Archbishop would later, and many of his siblings, would grow up and become uh, religious. And the Archbishop would give us some great guidance when he saw what he called World War III, the aftermath of Vatican II. And it is more and more becoming clear that we need to go back and study and listen to the wisdom of the Archbishop, not particularly his wisdom, but what he relied upon, and that is the wisdom of the popes, who have already long ago tore down uh, the facade of the revolutionaries by giving us the solid Catholic principles by which to judge the world around us. And that we call the, the Acts of the Magisterium. And my hope is to have his, his works of the Acts of the Magisterium translated into English from the French for the faithful. But his great famous books, I, 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 they have uncrowned him. And against the heresies, he gives it grows into great detail uh, already on those points. He's given us a wisdom to see to see 
through the problems of the world. And ultimately, the solution, and I'm going to go into more detail uh, for this later on, ultimately the solution, as you know, is the faith, prayer, and the mass, and the sacraments, but founded on one essential factor, that is the wisdom and the teachings of the church. If you take that doctrinal foundation out, the rest profit you nothing. Profit you nothing. Because what does it matter if, if you go to Mass, go to Communion, and you're an enemy of our Lord? Profit you nothing. You're a revolutionary. You have false ideas. And you've embraced the lies of the world. And this is what I fear. And, and I fear that because I fear that we do our work as priests in the society as best we can. But sometimes that formation of the faithful into solid Catholics is lacking. And a solid Catholic is founded upon a solid mindset, a solid prayer life. They come together. Doctrine and piety come together. One without the other doesn't work, really, for salvation. You can be pious and you can be a fool. So many are today. You can be doctrinal uh, and full of yourself. And that leads to modernism and heresy in the end because it's just full of pride. We need both. But today we see ourselves confronted with, and defends what I am saying, is the madness, the dishonesty, the lies. The lies that are uh, being promoted all around us. And if you want to you see them for the lies, just ask questions. Ask basic questions. And I'm not going to tell you what questions you have to ask. But if you don't ask basic questions, then you're not interested in the truth, are you? You just want to bury your head in the sand and go along with the blindness. But that's not how a Catholic is. We are honest. We're not afraid of the truth. And we follow the truth where it leads us. You know, today... The experts tell us, you hear it all the time. And I want, to, I want to explain this point a little bit for you. They say to us, follow the science. Okay, let's follow the science. Well, let me answer this point. But they say, Father, we have many experts, many doctors. Yeah, for every doctor that they can give, every expert they can put forward, I can literally put forward literally over a hundred or a thousand doctors and experts who'd say the very opposite. But they're not allowed to speak. They'll be deregulated. As many of doctors have already been deregulated for contradicting what? The narrative. The narrative which is an agenda of a secular, humanist, godless society. A utopia where we build a world of perfect health without God. But let me, let me put it another point. Science, dear friends, okay, let's, let's say they're scientists for the best scientists in the world. Let's take them at face value, really. Okay. World War II, Hitler, Nazi Germany. They had some of the leading, the best scientists and doctors in the world. Didn't they? And yet, those scientists, those doctors were used for what? Perversion. They had the best media. And they were leading what? Perversion, destruction. Communist Russia, same thing. Best scientists, best doctors at the service of perversion. In other words, science, like any truth, has a context. And if you take it out of its context, you can make it a pretext for whatever you want. And a perfect example of that is the Bible. The Bible is the holiest book in the world. The Word of God. 
But if you take that word of God out of context, like Luther did, he destroyed the faith of millions by perverting the word of God. It's a, it's a holy book. And didn't Jesus say that? He did say those words. Yes, you're right, Luther. But you're taking them out of context. Context uh, makes the world of a difference for, for truth. So whether it's truth or science, science and truth have a context. I remember Dr. David Allen White. He was a literary professor in the U.S., and the Naval Academy, and he would say to the students, my class is one of the most important classes you'll take in the Naval Academy. And they'll say, why? But you're just talking about literature. He say, yeah, that's right. But the class that I'm covering in literature is about human morals and ethics. And if, you, if, you've got, uh, if you're in charge as a person in the military of multi-million dollar powerful uh, uh, equipment, that can destroy lives, and you've got no morals and no ethics, how dangerous is that? You're learned, you're wise, and you've got this multi-billion dollar technology at your disposal, but you've got no morals and no ethics. That's a disaster awaiting to happen. And we are seeing that today, my friends. We are seeing that today. Truth has to have a context. And it's, as I said at the very beginning, it's God, our Lord Jesus Christ, and grace that give us the context of what it's about. And what's it about? Eternal life. Your life here on earth, contrary to what the government is saying, your life here on earth and mine are not the end. They are not the be-all and end-all. Our, our focus must be eternal life. And our, our salvation of our soul, what does it matter if, you, if you've lived a very healthy life, you've had good food and comfortable, and you die in the state of mortal sin? Did you profit you? Our Lord said, what does a man profit if he gained the world and suffer the loss of his soul? It profits him nothing. We are, me and you, this is why we are seeing today, as they've reported in the media many times now, the mental health of people has, has become at such frightening levels. People are getting mentally ill because of these lockdowns. Why? Because people are not animals. They're not dogs. It's not you just feed the dog and he's happy. They're human beings. They have a soul. Food also has a context. Life has a context. There's more to life than uh, bread and circus. We have to be uh, aware of that. We have to put it in its context. But notice, dear friends, notice, dear friends, these people, the ones who say to you, we are concerned about your life, are the same people who have no problem in passing laws of abortion, which is outright murder. If you follow the science, that's murder. All right? The same people have no problem in promoting and passing laws, as we saw recently, laws for euthanasia. They're happy to knock you off. These are the same people who have no problem in allowing the police in Australia to beat people senselessly for not complying with these silly health regulations. Okay? If you're out to concern about people's health, you don't have to beat the man because he didn't put on a mask. If you're out to concern for his health, you don't pepper spray people and shoot rubber bullets at them. I'm sorry, you don't. That's not the way we treat our fellow citizens. If they're upset about the way they're being treated, that's, that's understandable, okay? But to react like that shows that it's not about our health. Because if you're concerned about someone's health, you don't beat them and therefore destroy their health. It's not what you do. It's not how you treat fellow people. But what's lost? When you lose the grace of God, when you lose Christian charity, you become a savage and a tyrant. And that's what we are seeing today. 
And the enemy, enemy always works by fear. They want to fill our hearts with fear. You know, don't give in to their lives. Don't follow, don't spend your time following the social media or the headlines. They're there to pump fear in you. Uh, to make you afraid. Afraid of what? What am I afraid of? What should I be afraid of? And, and if we were concerned about the science, again, I ask doctors basic questions. You know, if, if there was a problem, I don't understand why you're not promoting the first, first thing we promote when we see a, a situation of physical lack of health. We, we promote uh, people to get their health in order, which is just make sure they, they are eating properly. Make sure that, um, you know, we have some good vitamins in our system. Basic things. There's no speak of that. Uh, McDonald's is open. It's not very healthy. Uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken is open. We promote these things in the media. They're not very healthy. We're not concerned about your health. The point is, it's very clear. Very simple questions you need to ask. Draw your own conclusions. I'm not here to draw them for you. But don't, don't be deceiving yourself if you think that there's a problem in the church but the state is fine. No, no. These people, as the popes in the past have said, they are, they are ultimately run by their father, the devil, Satan, who can think long term. Me and you, me and you, we can't think long term. Only God and the devil can think long term. And that's why the church for centuries will build things that might take hundreds of years, some of these cathedrals, because the church can think long term. The devil can also think long term. And he's been working at this for hundreds of years. It didn't happen overnight. He's got plenty of friends who are, 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 are led by the passions of greed and power. And it's the common denominator that all of us fall into. It's not, it's not something that um, is something fantastic. We all fall into easily, can be swayed by power and, and greed and pleasure uh, at the expense of really crushing our neighbour. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, it's only Christian charity that teaches us to truly love our neighbour. Let me give an example of this in this world of profound hypocrisy. You saw what happened in Afghanistan recently where basically, if we want to be honest about it, look it up yourself, basically the American government gave Afghanistan to the wicked Taliban. All right. But notice that the leftists, the leftist women in politics in America were all silent about the rights of women there. Silent. Notice that the same people who promote Promote my body, my choice. Okay, my body, my choice. Only when, only when that means I can commit the sin of murder in abortion. But when it comes to the jab, no, you can't apply that. You have no rights. Oh, why not? The same people who make use of, and that's something I said at the very beginning when, it, when we had this uh, abominable uh, referendum about uh, uh, gay marriage, these people, the LTG people, whatever you want to call them, they are simply being used by the leftists to serve the cause. Because you know what the Afghanistan, you know what the Taliban do with these people? They shoot and kill these people. Was there anyone to stand up and say, oh, that's terrible, we, 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 um, we are going to defend their rights in, 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 uh, in Afghanistan? Absolute silence. Because as the communists once said, it's all for the cause, that's all. Whether it's your LTGD, whether you're this or that, it's all for the cause. You're just food for the fodder. Sorry, food for the fodder. That's all it is. These people don't care about your rights. Don't care about your gender. 
don't care about your race. What they care is about their agenda at all costs. And again, nothing new. We see that we saw, as I said at the very beginning in my commentary on the gospel, this man who came to our Lord, an expert, not, a, not an idiot, an expert, he didn't care about the truth, which is what the expert should be an expert in, the truth. But what did he care about? He cared about his agenda. At the expense of the truth. And this is what we are seeing around us. They don't care. And let me make it very clear that the government today is violating international law, the uh, state law and federal law with this uh, uh, JAB uh, program. And the only way they are getting away with it is because they are using emergency laws. But they are violating so many laws, it's not funny from a legal perspective. And what's taking place in the courts at the moment, as far as I'm concerned, is simply buying them time because they know that from a legal standpoint they have not a leg to stand on and if a scientific point they have not a leg to stand on because if the scientists were given an opportunity to show what's going on actually they would demolish the argument and if if any other product in the world had caused so much uh, uh, side effects for people we know that it would be recalled and be taken off the shelf we know what happens when a food is, uh, product is defective, causes illness, automatically it's recalled. doesn't matter how much tons of it. But this product can seem to uh, do untold harm and absolute silence. As is even was said to our, our Premier here, that when something goes wrong as a result of taking these vaccines, the doctors and the hospitals don't report it. You have to report it yourself. What sort of a criminal attitude is that? Think a little bit here, dear friends. And again, I'm not having a go at anybody who's taken it. That's, that's not here nor there. It doesn't, it's, not a, it's not the real issue. A lot of people are getting sidetracked on that. The real issue is what are they working for? And what does the revolution work for, dear friends? The, work, the revolution works to dethrone Christ and make itself God. We are God and we dictate to you what you can and can't do. And you know what they are doing to our churches. They want to make us impose segregation. We cannot. We cannot. Our churches cannot be uh, imposing segregation. Sorry, that's not Christianity. But you know, the good thing is, dear friends, while me and you, we are, we are fearful. Let's not be afraid. Let's not be honest about what may come. But the beautiful thing there is our church, the Catholic, the Roman Catholic Church, the Catholic Church founded by Jesus Christ, in its first 500 years, was under persecution. And God gave those Christians the grace and the courage to know what to do in each situation. Each situation wasn't the same, or all different, or unique, but God gave them the grace. So persecution is not new to us in our church. We started on it. Uh, and we are not afraid to, to what, do what? To, uh, to recognise things for what they are. That's where, that's where it must begin. That we must recognise the things, dear friends, for what they are. We today have a solution. And that solution is given to us by our Lord. Our Lord tells us that there are wolves in sheep's clothing. And therefore we must be discerning. What is it that we are confronting today? It is the revolution. 
But we might say, what do you mean by the revolution? Well, Monsignor Gom, in his uh, ten-volume work on the French Revolution, explains what the revolution is. Let's explain it very clearly. He says, the re speaking of the revolution, he says, I am not what men believe. Many talk about me, but they know me very little. I am not street riots or the change of a monarchy or for a republic or the substitution of one uh, dynasty for another or the temporal perturbation of the public order. I am not the house of the Jacobins or the fury of the mountains or the uh, fight in, in the barricades or the pillage and arson or the uh, agrarian laws or the guillotine and the massacres. I am not Mariette or Robespierre, or we can add Hitler or Stalin. These men are my children, but they are not me. Those actions, they are my works, but they are not me. These men and those actions are passing events, while I am a permanent state. I am the hatred of any order that has not been established by man himself, and in which he is not king and God at the same time. I am the proclamation of the rights of man without any regard for the rights of God. I am God dethroned and man put in his place. For that reason, my name is revolution. That is reversal. What do they seek to destroy? The social Christian fabric or order of society. Today, we are living off a post-Christian society. It is Christianity that delivers us from savagery, from paganism, from perversion, and gave us order, gave us the beautiful structure that of the family, the home life, uh, uh, the hierarchy. This was given to us by Christendom. The establishment of hospitals, of schools, of uh, places of medicine, of places of scientific uh, education, given to us by Christianity, the grace of Christ and the church. Today now we have regard, disregarded the Christian order. We've taken what we liked of what it gave us to pervert it for our own agenda. But it is anti-God, it is anti-Christ and it is demonic. And we have to recognise it for what it is. The revolution itself is a faith. It's a faith in the progress of mankind towards a new order. That's what they speak about. New world order and progress. Scientific progress. A better world to be achieved solely by human efforts. What we can do without the intervention of God. It is faith in the possibility of realising here on earth by natural means what can only really be achieved by grace and in the world to come. They want to make heaven on earth without God well there's one undermining foundation to that and that is original sin man after original sin uh, cannot live for too long without wanting to make himself God and then what does he do becomes a, a tyrant and that tyranny as I said to you we are seeing now on a global scale but we are seeing it here in Australia uh, in, a, in our own country what we thought was once a um, something in a distant land. We are seeing it here today. And this makes us pause, think and reflect. St. Pius X, our, our holy patron, explained 
it is neither innovators nor revolutionaries that are the true friends of the people, but traditionalists. That is, those who hold to the, the foundations established by the church in the order of the world. Those who uh, hold to that and build upon that based on the solid teachings of the church. These are the true friends of the people. The rest are really out to serve themselves. The revolution first sought to dethrone the minds of men, detach it from God and the guidance of the church, and then led men to trust in no longer objective truth, but their feelings, their passions, their emotions. You see in our modern world how much emphasis there is on how do you feel. And again, there is, there is value on how you feel. Of course there is. Uh, because you're a human being and you have reactions. And there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that in, in being honest about it. In fact, you have to acknowledge that unless uh, you want to grow. But as I said, the modern world, when they ask that, they don't really care how you feel. It's just their tool that they use to dethrone you from objective facts. Whether you feel good about one plus one equaling two is irrelevant. The fact is, that's what it is. And you know my saying is, it is what it is. Things are what they are. And we have to acknowledge that. We have to accept that. We don't make reality. Truth is the conformity of the mind to the thing out there. We acknowledge reality. We don't invent it. We submit to it. And that is the definition of humility. Submitting to the order established by God. The revolutionary is proud. He rejects that order. He rejects the hierarchy. He rejects being told anything by anybody. Because I am my own God. And this is the spirit of the revolution. He rejects, it destroys the mind from objective truth. It destroys the social fabric order. And then it leads man to be led by his own passions, by his own whims. What, what is our solution? First, we must root the revolution out of our own hearts. We must see that the revolution, we are children of the revolution. We're brought up in a revolutionary world which embraces revolutionary ideas and if you think that you have not been deceived by it, you're deceiving yourself already by that fact. St. John already said, he who says he does not sin, or he is not a sinner, is deceived. And the poison around us has eaten our hearts. And I, I see this, sorry to say, already in, in, our, in our faithful who have, or have blindly imbibed the ideas of the world. We, we, we should be able to think, to see. So we, we want to root first the revolution out of our hearts. That, that's eating away at our hearts. We have to be honest with ourselves. That must be the first. And then to root it out of our minds. And this means, dear friends, you know, as, as, uh, uh, as Father Thiemann is pointing out for us in his newsletter, profit from the time that we have at this point. Profit to read the papal encyclicals, to read the works of the Archbishop. I've been putting things online of the Archbishop for you uh, because his wisdom is so amazing for our time. And more and more we can see the importance of his wisdom we saw it 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago. How much more now? 
when everything has gone uh, topsy-turvy. When today it's a clear case of people being afraid, and I don't blame them being afraid, I'm not having a go at that, but being afraid to see and to state the obvious of the insanity around us. Because it is insane. It is insane. And it is unjust. It is unjust to deprive people of their right to go out and earn a wage. That is unjust. And I don't care if the government is giving their money. That's still an injustice. That's still a theft on part of the state. That's a crime on part of the state. And we have to see it for what it is, a crime. Oh, just because the, yeah, the government gives you a few pennies, it doesn't justify their crime. Not at all, not in the least. Especially since I can list over 20 different ways with common sense to deal with this, uh, whatever they call it, virus, whatever they want. That doesn't deprive people uh, of a basic uh, sound income that they're entitled to go and earn. How unjust, how wicked. And we have to see it for that. And if we can't, then again, our thinking has been perverted. And even, you know, St Paul says, he makes a very interesting statement that we don't like to hear today. He who doesn't work doesn't deserve to eat. St Paul, what does he think of our social government system? Not much. Not that I'm saying that our government doesn't have a duty to look after the elderly, that those who, who, who've done the hard yards, those who are sick, of course, by all means. And as I said, if they were concerned really about the sick, they wouldn't be depriving of those who are legitimately sick with real diseases, real illnesses, from getting their treatment. But they are. They're not really concerned. It's a facade, and you have to see it for what it is. But we have to see it for the injustice also that it is. But that means that we have a first a proper sense of what is just, and that's lost in us today. Look at the price that often charge for things. The value of the product and the, the, the price that they charge. Is there any often, uh, even if you add up all the other things that they have to factor in, very often there's no proportion. Why? Because justice and greed have not met. Greed. How, how, how much does it cost a poor individual to get a home these days? Good luck if he, if he can pay it off in his lifetime. And that's a basic need, somewhere to dwell. And Australia is a humongous country, dear friends. Plenty of empty land. And yet we see the injustice. And we think it's normal. It's not. It's wicked. And we have to have a proper sense. Even if, dear friends, we can't change it. That's not the point. Whether you can change something or not is actually irrelevant. You have to see it. As a man and a child of God, you have to have the ability to judge it and see it for what it is. Otherwise, we become like everyone else, blind leaders of the blind. And that's what we are witnessing in today's society. Blind leaders of the blind, from the church to the state. Wicked and blind leaders of the blind. And I can say a lot more there, but I won't. We have to tear it from our hearts. We have to tear it from our minds. We have to have a love and respect, and it's hard in our time. For all that represents God in authority. Today, the police, God bless them, they're being used by the state to, to promote their wicked ideas. But police officer and as an individual must be respected regardless. The individual in authority must be respected because that authority they have comes from God. Even if they're using it for wickedness, don't we have to agree? 
doesn't mean sometimes we have to comply. But what it does mean is we respect all authority because all authority comes from God. The revolution despises authority. We show the, res- uh, the reverence, the respect for authority. In the madness. You know, I, uh, in one year in my priesthood, I was in Zimbabwe under the reign of uh, the wicked tyrant Mugabe. And when I was on the plane, a person said to me, why are you coming to our country at this time? I said, no, but this is precisely when God comes in our difficulties and our trials. But one of the beautiful sayings that these people had under that wicked man was, uh, we make a plan. And the people, the people would unite together to try to survive the situation under such a wicked tyrant. And, and you know, things were so tough when we were there that really we got most of our food imported from Germany and France. The faithful there would send their food uh, and, and stocks to us. Uh, and the shops had nothing in them, but the government said, if you close your shop, we take it over. So they would keep something in there just, just to give a facade to get through this, uh, this tyranny. But what I'm saying is that they united. They had one heart and one mind and one spirit. Lovely people. And this must be our attitude today. We might not agree necessarily of how things are going or what approach might be taken here and there, but we, we remain thankful And, you know, we priests are doing what we can in different places to minister to you within the confines of what we can do uh, for your good, for your good. We're not abandoning you. We're trying to uh, do what we can to assist you in any way we can. But be aware of the reality of what we are confronting. And I don't really know and I don't really care what tomorrow holds because we take each day at a time. But we must see the wickedness for what it is. Don't be deceived. Uh, in what we are seeing. And at the same time, we must be faithful and firm in what we are doing. Cardinal P, that great anti-revolutionary, says, we must be frankly holy Christian in belief and in practice. We must affirm the whole doctrinal law and the whole moral law. Both. You know, the fact that me or you are a sinner, that's not the end of the world. What is the end of the world, in a certain sense, is when we fail to acknowledge that. When we say, I have no sin, what's going on around me is perfectly fine, that's when we become wicked. I am a sinner, that's alright, it's not the end of the world, but I go to confession, I tell God I'm sorry, and I try to love him as best as I can, and practice my faith. Uh, That's why we make the sacraments available, that's what they do, they heal our wounds, they enlighten our hearts and our minds, and they are God's strength and consolation in our midst. So we root out the the revolution from our hearts. We root out the revolution from our minds. But then we also work. Work to root out the revolution from the society around us. This is an obligation for us. This is a duty for us. Uh, Many desire, says Cardinal P, the recovery of society, but without a social profession of the faith. I insist on that point, the social profession of our faith. At this price, Christ, omnipotent as he is, cannot work for our deliverance. Merciful as he is, he cannot exercise his mercy. If we say, you know, I'm a pious Catholic, very good, but I don't care about the social reign of Christ the King, how can God bless that? How can he reward that? How can he look after those who think like this? They think like the enemies of our Lord. They become wicked. They're not good people. No, we must desire the social reign of our Lord. 
We must affirm the truth unceasingly with sincerity, with strength and courage, not only with words, but obviously with our own moral life. And if we are weak in any department in our life, as I say, we acknowledge it, that's life, we acknowledge it, we, we make the means to work on it, and we, we, we grow. That's the way we grow, by acknowledging these things. Our Lord didn't condemn any sinner. He gave him the grace. Uh, it's the sinner that rejects our Lord. It's not our Lord rejecting the sinner. Uh, it's we. It's we who love all these um, perverts in society. We love their soul. And it's we who weep over their death. Because how sad it is for somebody to die an enemy of our Lord. To die in that state. We who care about them. We care about people in false religions because we want them to come to the true religion. We care about people who have false ideas, false and wicked lifestyles because we don't want them to die in that state. And we want them to come to the knowledge and the love of our Lord. And we find as best means we have to bring them to that reality. It's we who are the true lovers of the people. Contrary. You know, all those who preach tolerance, dear friends, notice in practice, they practice persecution. Pope Francis, number one promoter of tolerance, number one persecutor of the truth. The state, liberty, freedom, don't dare question on our narrative. We'll find you, we'll lock you up, and we'll deal with you because we have ways. Oh, but you won't be preaching tolerance and openness and, and broad-mindedness? And isn't it interesting, dear friends, when people question us today, they say, but, you know, who are you? What's your, what's your scientific uh, background? You know, um, very interesting. You're taught, you, we were taught in Australia to get an education, to learn, to study. And then when we use that same education to question their narrative, oh, don't do that, don't do that. Oh, but I don't have to be a scientist to state the obvious. Huh? The, the, the expert was asking our Lord an obvious question. What's the greatest? Love God. The first commandment is the first for a reason, and you know that. Why are you asking it? Because you're wicked, not because you're an expert and, and a good man. And it's the same thing today. Why do they question you when you question a narrative? Is it because they love the truth? In fact, really, anybody who's in the field of science knows that science is founded on precisely on questioning things. But why do they not like it when you question a narrative? It's not because they're scientific. It's because they're dishonest. That's the problem. And a lot of people today are what we call intellectually dishonest people. They have used their intellect, and a lot of them have great intellects, but they have used their intellect for perversion. They have great intellect. A lot of them are far, far smarter than I'll ever be, far more learned than I'll ever be. But they have used their wisdom like the expert in the law. I'm sure he was, I'm sure uh, as far as the Old Testament law, he was far more of an expert than I'll ever be. But he used it for perversion. Danger for us. Danger for us, dear friends, too. But we must be not afraid. Not afraid of what? And I'll conclude with this. We must not be afraid to proclaim the truth. Cardinal P points out, this. He says, let us grant that the flood of irreligion has all the strength it boasts of, and that this strength can sweep us away. Well then, it will sweep us away. It is of no importance. 
provided that it does not sweep away the truth. We will, not, uh, we will be swept away, but we will leave the truth behind us as those who were swept away before us left it. Either the world has a future or it has not. If we are arriving at the end of time, we are building only for our eternity. But if still long centuries must unfold by building for eternity, we are building also for our time. Whether confronted by the sword or by contempt, we must be strong witnesses of the truth of God. Our testimony will survive. There are plants that grow invincibly under the hand of our Heavenly Father. There where the seed is planted, a tree takes root. There where the martyr's bones lay, a church rises. Thus are formed the, the obstacles that divide and stop the floods. Dear friends, you know, like Daniel in the Old Testament, he said to Nebuchadnezzar, you wish to put me under the, under the flame for not bowing down to this idol. He says, my God, he may choose to deliver me, but he may also not. Either way, I will not serve your wickedness. And he was found faithful. Let us today, God may choose to deliver us, God may not. You know, we, we are sinners and we, we need to do some penance. Uh, but either way, regardless, it's irre irrelevant. What is relevant is that we must pray for the courage. And today in this month of September, we pray to somebody who knew the trials and difficulties of our life in this valley of tears. And yet who was valiant and victorious and courageous. Our Lady, Our Lady of Sorrows, pray for us. And Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Amen.